The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Any reports back on your experiments at lunch with uh, pausing, slowing down, or practicing with any of the ethical guidelines? Any surprises or insights or missteps that you'd like to share? How many people remembered to practice at least once? Uh Good, great. It's hard, huh? Right? We forget very quickly. It's important to notice that, how quickly we forget. Because the the patterns and the momentum behind our speech and our uh, relatedness are very, very strong. They run very deep. I wanted to read to you uh, a modern-day interpretation of the fourth precept, this uh, training in right speech to abstain from false, harmful, divisive, or idle speech. This um, is a great inspiration to me in my own practice, and actually uh, one of the things that really started me on this path of devoting myself uh, to really exploring this aspect of meditation practice. So this is, some of you are familiar with this, I, I would imagine, is uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's rendering of the fourth precept. So he writes, Aware of the suffering caused by unmindful speech, and the inability to listen, I vow to cultivate loving speech and deep listening in order to bring joy and happiness to others and relieve others of their suffering. Knowing that words can create happiness or suffering, I vow to learn to speak truthfully with words that inspire self-confidence, joy, and hope. I am determined not to spread news that I do not know to be certain and not to criticize or condemn things of which I am not sure. I will refrain from uttering words that can cause division or discord or words that can cause the family or the community to break. I will make all efforts to reconcile and resolve all conflicts, however small. This is a very, very deep contemplation. Just, just, just to contemplate this uh, passage and how it's framed and each part of it, there's a lot in here. Just the understanding of the potency of words how they create suffering, how they create happiness, and the various levels of commitment to transforming our speech, where it's coming from, its effect, and the inclusion of our listening. Right? And it's not just about what we say, but also how we listen. That's part of our training in communication and right speech. 
And in fact, as we investigate, as we explore this realm, we start to see that it's not just about how we speak, it's not just about how we listen, it's even how we think. Because the way that we think about things then starts to form how we perceive them. That our thoughts actually uh, mediate our experience of the world. And so having a deep practice A deep speech practice means that we're actively paying attention to and investigating our own thoughts about ourselves, about others, about the world. And the Buddha recognized this, that the very word for speech that's used in the precept, uh, vacha, samavacha, is one of the three... uh, kind of channels of awareness that the Buddha talks about, Vajji Sankara, the, the formation, the patterning of speech. And that is um, connected with the thought faculty, with thinking. So it's not just our speech, but it's also our thinking. You, you, if you think about it, where does our, how does our speech begin? It begins as a thought. Right? It begins as something internal that then becomes external, and then on the receiving end, it becomes internal again. You see that? What we say starts inside our own mind, then manifests externally, and then it enters someone else's mind. So with our language, we can actually put something in someone else's mind. That's powerful, right? That's powerful. So we spoke this morning about these ethical guidelines as a framework, as kind of the, the, the uh, creating the playing field for speech in service of awakening. And we talked about the first foundation of mindful communication as presence, being able to fully be here, and that as really kind of the, the prerequisite for cultivating and actualizing our intentions in our relationships and our speech. The next foundation, once we're actually here, the next major component is our intention. Where are we coming from inside? What's our motivation? Why are we speaking? What are we trying to do? Where are we trying to go? Now, again, it's, uh, I like to really point out that even on the second foundation, we haven't gotten to what we're saying, right? We have to be here first, and then we need to really look at where am I coming from? What's my intention? Yeah? If the intention is off, that's going to affect everything. It's going to affect everything, right? You can feel it when someone's smiling and saying all the right words, but really trying to get you to do something or judging you, right? Or, or they don't like you at all, but their face is smiling and their words are saying nice things, right? It's not in what we say. It's not about what we say. It's about where we're coming from. It's a very beautiful uh, Sufi quote I came across while I was studying religion in college that stayed with me all these years. If words come out of the heart, 
they will enter the heart. But if they come from the tongue, they will not pass beyond the ears. The tongue was created as an interpreter for the heart. So it's really about where our words are coming from. So our intention will determine the direction where we're going. Intention determines direction. You wanted to come here today. You had an intention. You took certain actions and steps to get your body here and hopefully to get your mind here as well. Yeah. So your intention is kind of what drives where we're going. And it's the same in a conversation. Yeah. So if our intention is to be right or to win, that's going to set up a certain kind of dynamic in the conversation, in the dialogue with the other person. If our intention is uh, you know, to cover over something that we don't feel good about, It's going to be very hard to hear the other person, right? To really listen. So where are we coming from? Where are we coming from in a conversation? What's our intention? And starting to learn to to pay attention to this, to actually include this in our awareness. I, I think probably many of, many of you maybe have had the experience, and if not, you should probably just be able to relate to it from hearing what I say, of somebody uh, taking some kind of communication course or reading a communication book, and, and they come to you and they start talking in some certain way, and it all sounds pretty, uh, but they're still running the same the same game, you know, still trying to blame you for something. Or, but the words are different. It's all kind of fancied up, right? Yeah. It's because the, the intention hasn't changed. So communication training without a transformation in our intention really doesn't go very far. So the, the real training in, in speech and communication is an internal shift. It's an internal shift around where we're coming from. And we've all actually had communication training. We've all, we've all been trained. We've been trained by our family. We've been trained by our culture. We've been trained by our society, by our religion, by our gender. All of the roles, all of the things around us that have shaped us have trained us in how to communicate in certain ways. What's okay to say? What's not okay to say? What's okay to feel? What's not okay to feel? Yeah. So the good news is that because, this, because these patterns have been learned, they can be unlearned and they can be relearned. They can be reshaped and retrained. So one of, one of the most common uh, trainings that we re- that we receive. Uh, I think it's rare for uh, someone to not receive this training. It happens, but it's rare in our in our world today. Is that if someone's doing something we don't like, someone's doing something that we disagree with or that we don't enjoy, we'd like 
for them to be doing something different, that we perceive that as there being something wrong with them. What's wrong with you? So I'll give you a couple of examples, kind of classic examples. You have a roommate, someone you live with. You're a little bit neater than they are. You like things cleaner than they do. What's wrong with you? Why are you such a slob? How come you can't clean up after yourself? Tables are turned. They like things neater than you are all of a sudden. Why are you such a neat freak? Relax. What's wrong with you? Why do you have to have everything so perfect all the time? Right? Coworker. You like things to run on schedule, be organized and clear. Why are they so disorganized and unprofessional? What's wrong with them? Tables are turned. You like to flow with things a little bit more. You like them to be loose and kind of just move along creatively. Your coworkers, your coworker likes things to run on schedule, to be more organized and clear. Why are you such a control freak? Why are you so uptight? Can't you relax? What's wrong with you? Do you see what's happening? You see how whatever's going on out there that I don't like, that's different from what I want, becomes about them doing something wrong. So we've all been conditioned, or most of us have, to see things in terms of blame when our needs aren't met. Rather than being able to own, this is about me. My needs aren't being met. I like things neater. It's not there's anything wrong with you. I just like it this way. <laughs> you know, I like things to run on schedule. You know, if I say we're going to leave at 10, I want us to leave at 10. doesn't mean that you're disrespectful or rude. It just means that I like things to, to happen this way. It's actually about me, about my needs. Now, if you want somebody to do something different, if you want someone to listen to you, to see things from your perspective, how useful of a strategy is it to tell them what's wrong with them? (laughs) Right? Not so smart. That's what we do, though, right? That's how we've been trained. That's how we've been trained. Once you you start to notice this, once you start to see this difference between what I need, what I want, and what I'm telling myself about those people out there and why they're wrong, you start to see it everywhere. Turn on the TV, everyone's communicating that way. Turn on the news, everyone's communicating that way. It's all about what's going on out there and what's wrong with that, judging it, blaming it, should be this way, should be that way, rather than this is what we value, this is what we want, this is what I really need. Yeah. So this is, this is a really radical shift. And, and this, one of the ways, so there, 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 there are different ways to support and train ourselves in this shift. One is... To, to train ourselves in a certain intention. So one of the most powerful intentions for our dialogue, our relationships, our communication is the intention to understand. 
rather than to judge. Just to get curious. This, in, this shift in our intention from one of judging, blaming, to simply understanding is uh, at the core of our meditation practice as well, our mindfulness practice. So when we come to meditate, what do we encounter? We encounter all of the habits of our mind, wanting things to be one way and judging when they're not. I should be more concentrated. I should be more loving. I should be more patient. Why am I this way? Why am I that way? Why does my body hurt? I don't like this. I don't like that. I want more of this. I want more of that. What is mindfulness about? Oh. What's this like right now? Can I understand this? Can I feel this? Can I be with this? What is this? What is this judging that's happening? Can I just observe this? Can I come to understand this? Right? That shift from judging, blaming, defending, protecting to... Oh, can I just be with this? Can I just understand this? So in our dialogue, we can, we can practice with the same shift to say, can I just try to understand? What, what would that be like? To just try to understand where this person's coming from. Instead of trying to prove that I'm right, to just invite them to understand my side of things. So one of the ways that we can support this intention to understand is uh, is by actually uh, training ourselves to see things in another way, having a certain kind of a view. So instead of the view that says, you're a slob if you don't like the kitchen as clean as I do, or you're a neat freak if you like it more clean than I do, that, that... projects our needs onto the world around us and judges things based on those standards. Instead, we can view things from the perspective that says everything we do as human beings, we're doing to meet some need. Some need. Everything we're doing, we're doing to meet some fundamental need. So from, from the perspective of the, of the Dharma, one would say, all beings want to be happy. All beings want to be happy. And people go about that in lots of different ways. Some of them I agree with, some of them I don't agree with. But I can, I can step back and look at it and say, you know, on, on one level, as human beings, ultimately we all just want to be happy. And that's going to look different ways to different people at different times. Being able to get down to the level where I can sense, where I can see the humanity behind someone else's choices, their desire for safety, for well-being, for play, for creativity, for autonomy, for power, for agency, for love, for meaning, for joy, for compassion, for connection, for expression, right? These fundamental longings, the kinds of things that each of you shared earlier this morning when I said, why are you here? What's bringing you here? 
those, those deeper longings that are more universal. They're not about an individual person. They're something we can all relate to. If you can't relate to it, it's not a need. It's what's called a strategy, an idea about how to meet a need. Going for a walk in the park, is that a need? No, that's a strategy. What needs is that trying to meet? What exercise, entertainment, movement, fresh air, refreshment, aliveness, health, well-being, relaxation, right? Smoking a cigarette. What needs is that trying to meet? So addiction is a diagnosis, right, of what's happening. I don't have a need for addiction, and I don't want everyone else to have a need for addiction. So the definition of a need is that it's something that all human beings have that I can relate to. I can say, yes, I want this for everyone, right? I don't want everyone to smoke cigarettes. But what needs could be behind smoking a cigarette that we can connect with? Okay, so belonging. Having something to do. So if I want something to do with my hands, what am I after? What does that give me if I have something to do with my hands? It gives comfort. Relaxation. So distraction. I don't want everyone to be distracted. I would say distraction is still at the level of a strategy, right? I don't, I don't feel a yes inside when I hear distraction. Yes, I have a need for distraction. But if, if I'm wanting to distract myself and I do that, what does it give me? What, what would that give me? A re- relief. Okay, so, that, so that's something I say, yes. You feel the difference inside between distraction and relief? That's the difference between a strategy and a need. We get to that level of a need, and there's a sense of, of, of more openness, connection. Okay? So um, smoking a cigarette, uh, the need for relief, for belonging. What else? Pleasure. Pleasure. What else? Security. Mm-hmm. Security. Camaraderie. Yeah, connection, camaraderie. Okay. So um, there's a, a colleague of mine tells a story about teaching a workshop and um, teaching about needs and strategies and the difference between them. One of the participants going home, smoker, driving, reaches for the cigarette and stops and says, now wait a minute. If this is true, then I'm trying to meet some need by smoking this cigarette. What needs am I trying to meet? (sighs) I guess I'm just wanting to relax and unwind a little bit. I don't need to smoke a cigarette to relax and unwind. Stop smoking. Right? Just like that. Now, not everyone can do that. But for this person, the clarity about his needs was that strong that he was able to just say, there are other ways to meet this need that are healthier, that cost less money, right? So I'm not going to do that anymore. So this is a very powerful practice to see things through the lens of human needs, through this um, idea, this premise that everything we do, we do to meet some need is based upon the idea that as human beings, we're fundamentally 
internally consistent on some level. That we're, we're, we're like a plant moving towards light. We're, we're striving to meet our needs, our basic physiological needs, our relational needs, and higher needs for things like meaning, creativity, understanding. So what happens when we, when we have this framework, everything we do to meet a need? It helps us get curious. It helps us remember that intention to understand, to say, well, where is this person coming from? What need could they be trying to meet right now? What's actually important to them? There's something important to this person right now. What is that? Something important that I can connect with, that I can relate to. What is that? What is that? So I want to do some practice with this and with one piece from the morning. But before we shift gears into some practice, I just want to see if there are any questions about what I've, what I've shared or presented. I think you have a microphone right there, Anne. Great. Hi. Um, uh, what you're talking about uh, in terms of seeing the needs of other people um, and what you said, I want to know about right speech for uh, when maybe you're going to do something divisive. Uh, what I've decided to do this summer, uh, in res- I don't want to get into detail, in response to the political situation in America, I feel there's a situation that could lead to the loss of human life. Uh-huh. And I feel I have to, for example, my latest thing, trying to write letters to newspapers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm saying one thing is good. We should go forward this way. We should not go this way. Mm-hmm. What has that got to do with all the things you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Do you understand? It makes it sound like I'm not doing right speech, a like little... it's divisive or something. Mm-hmm. But I feel, I feel strongly that it, it's a situation that could arise in the future where human mm-hmm. life will be in danger. Mm-hmm. So I have to do something I think could be called divisive. Uh, it's, it's difficult to uh, comment on that without knowing specifically what you're talking about saying, right? What I'm getting is that your intention is very much rooted in uh, a sense of care and wanting to protect life, which is very wholesome, mm-hmm. yeah? Um, I mean, I can draw an analogy uh, in a moment, but I think we need, to, we need to look at our intention, but it's not just intention. There's also the, uh, the skillfulness of our action, and in this, in this case, the action is speech. And so looking at what is the most skillful way to communicate this action, to, to, uh, I'm sorry, to, um, to execute this action, to communicate this message. And so um, one, of the, one of the pitfalls um, of our, our linguistic conditioning is that we tend to demonize people we disagree with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that will alienate and polarize us rather than being able to see the humanity of, of, of another person um, and create a space uh, where um, where we might condemn an action, mm-hmm. but we're not condemning a, a human being. No, I, I'm trying to, I mean, even before I came yeah. here this morning, I'm trying to approach this yeah. uh, with the Eightfold Path. Yeah, wonderful, great. Uh, 
Yeah. But I do have to do something that says I'm in favor of this. I think yeah. this is a mistake. Yeah. And yeah. that isn't... I don't uh, think disagreeing with someone is divisive. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's, we all have opinions and views, and you know, uh, we can express those with clarity and humility and say, you know, I disagree. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I disagree with putting more money towards the military when people are starving in our country or don't have books in school. I disagree with that. I don't think that's a wise use of our resources. But I'm not being divisive in the sense that I'm saying the people who push these policies are evil and, you know, are, you know, that's that's not helpful, condemning condemning their humanity, but actually disagreeing with their choices or their actions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just, again, I want to, I appreciate the question and um, I will have some time after the, the exercise we do for more of, of an open Q&A. And for now, I'm really wanting to sort of focus our questions around the material that I've just shared. Not that your question was off topic, but for other que- if there's anything that's unclear or that you want to um, ask into around what I've shared uh, since coming back from lunch. Um, so what about, like, I don't know if you would call them, like, the, the white lies? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. like, if someone is saying something, uh, I'm just I'm trying to come up, like, think of a good example. But, like, you know, when, when you're listening to a friend and they're saying things um, and, and really what they're trying to say, really what they need is just for you to, to listen and agree. You don't have to say agree with them, but, like, they're not necessarily looking for your 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 input or like how youth should they should be doing certain things so like sometimes maybe we we don't necessarily agree with them but you know they're upset so you're not going to be like oh you you know you're so, you know mm-hmm. you should just stop being mm-hmm. the you know and you're you'll mm-hmm. say things maybe in a way that's like not what you think it's not true but but mm-hmm. it's with the intent of not further upsetting them like mm-hmm. how how would you handle something like that yeah so what, what I'm getting is um, how do you balance your own need for integrity with your care for the other person, wanting to respond in a way that's going to be supportive and honoring of their experience, yeah, and, and what's, what's present for them. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a very important skill to develop, to be able to hear what someone else is saying, to be able to empathize with their experience without agreeing with their views or interpretation. So we tend to, we tend to think that empathizing with someone means agreeing with them. That's not the case. It's possible to empathize with someone and not agree with them. That's a skill we need to develop. To be able to hear the feelings that are present for them and the deeper needs behind those feelings, what matters to them. And that's a level beneath the story, the ideas, the interpretations, the views that they have. Yeah? So it's important to look also to look closely in terms of our own practice of, 
uh, right speech and the ethical guidelines to look when um, when we want to bend the truth or um, say something that's that's uh, false, right? Maybe just a little bit. Uh, what's going on for us? Why do we Why do we want to do that? Yeah, and just recognizing, just wanting to avoid the discomfort of challenging the person or that sense of care for them and not like quite knowing how to respond. You know. Yeah. Is that is that helpful? Yeah. Yeah. Great. To sort of supplement what you're saying and respond to her is that you can develop a container of presence for someone and just hold them as they express whatever it is they're expressing. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to have empathy. I don't have to respond. Mm-hmm. But it's a container of compassion mm-hmm. and of understanding and love. And yeah. that's all. Yeah. Thank you. And listening. Yeah. Very deep listening. Yeah, exactly. We were, we were sort of exploring that this morning when we were looking at presence. Just that sense of being able to hold presence with someone as its own, as its own offering. And for me, I would define empathy in the way that you were saying um, of hold of feeling a sense of love and compassion, right? To me, there's, that's that, those are synonyms for for empathy. Yeah. Going back to the needs, um, in um, many instances, um, you know, we're kind of like not trained to be thinking about needs. So mm-hmm. neither our own or those of others. That's right. So um, do you have any, um, you know, tips or, or <laughs> guidelines or advice on, um, you know, investigating needs? Like yeah. not just our own, but we're speaking to someone, they're not yeah. necessarily going to express their needs. Right, great. Yes. Yes, I do. In fact, let's do an exercise about that right now. <laughs> So, um, so this is going to be uh, how to say um, uh, multi-leveled exercise in the sense that each person is going to be practicing something. The person speaking is going to be practicing something, and the person listening is going to be practicing something. Um, So what I invite you to do is um, we'll be, you'll be working with a partner and um, each person will have a chance to practice speaking and listening. And the speaker, you're, you're going to share a story about something uh, that it matters to you, positive or negative, something that matters to you that's happened in the last, you know, a couple weeks or so, okay? Um, Something went well and you're very pleased about that or something happened that wasn't uh, what you were hoping or planning for and you're disappointed or a little annoyed about that. Uh, let's, let's say like on a scale of intensity from a 1 to a 10, choose something that's like a 4, maybe a 5. Okay, and there's a very important reason for this is because the point of this exercise isn't to uh, 
uh, heal something or uh, resolve something or uh, you know, unload some, some energy that you've been carrying. The point of this exercise is to learn a skill, is to learn a tool. If you choose something that's too difficult or that's too intense, it's going to be very hard to learn the tool. Like if you're trying to learn how to swim, you don't jump in the ocean on a stormy day or in the deep end of a pool. You go in the shallow end, right? Yeah? Or if you're trying to do some weight training, you don't start with a 100-pound weight. You start with a 5-pound weight, right? So, that, so we're looking for something, to, a story to share about something that's happened to you in the last little while or something that's coming up where there's enough relevance there that it's real, it's alive, but not so much that you're going to get overwhelmed by it, okay? So one person's going to share a story. The person who's speaking, you're going to be practicing presence. What we were looking at this morning, and specifically, I'm going to guide you in pausing and slowing down. You're going to be using those two tools to just practice what is it like to relate to another person and try to maintain some level of embodied presence. To pause during my speaking feel what happens, to just slow my pace down a little bit. Okay, So you'll be sharing your story, and we'll take a couple of breaks in the middle of your expression to support you in pausing and slowing down so that you investigate more this sense of relating and speaking and cultivating embodied presence in, in the process of that. Okay, Listeners... You're going to be practicing with the second foundation, which is this intention to understand. And you're going to do this in two different ways. Don't worry, it's going to be much simpler than it sounds as I explain it. And I'll demonstrate this with someone. First, you're just going to listen. To just listen completely, wholeheartedly, with the intention to understand. not to solve their problem, not to give them advice, not to figure it out, not to point something out, but just to listen, just to listen with the intention to understand. Okay? At a certain point, after the person finishes their story, you're going to practice what Sylvie was asking about, identifying needs. And you're going to do this by asking a very specific question inside to yourself. And that question is, what really matters here? What matters? What matters about this story that they just shared to me? You know, like what, what's, what's underneath this that I can really connect to, that I can really relate to? On, the, on that deeper level of something more fundamental, something more universal. You're going to ask that question, and you're just going to listen inside, and then you're going to take a guess and ask the person, you know, is what matters to you here something about this? Just going to take a guess and ask to see if you've understood accurately kind of what's at the heart, what's the essence of what they're sharing. You don't have to get it right. That's not the point. It doesn't, doesn't matter. What matters is the genuineness 
of your intention. That's what matters. That's what we're practicing. Because if you're not 100% on point, that's fine. They'll, they'll tell you, and it might actually even help them get more clear. Okay? All right. So, um, is there somebody who would uh, be willing to share a short story with me so that I can demonstrate this skill of listening and then taking this guess? This, okay, great. And so, for when we do, when you do it with a partner, um, might take you know we'll take like about four minutes or or five minutes. So you'll have more time to tell the story. If just for right now, we'll just just take a minute or, or or you know two. So just to kind of summarize what happened. So I was in a meeting earlier this week. And um, it was a meeting of people who either live together in community or want to. And it was a very important issue, and there was not agreement in the room. Um, the people who were speaking in favor of doing it this way and the people who were in favor of doing it that way did not always speak with respect for the other people. There was some... Uh, put down some disparagement. Um, at one point, one person even said, this is what really got to me, is, well, if you don't blah, 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 you shouldn't be living here. Hmm. So now I'm going to hold that question. What really matters? And you can do this with me internally. Having heard this story, what really matters? What's your name? Marcy. Marcy. What is it that Marcy's longing for? What is it that matters here for her? And I, just do it for yourself, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a guess. Marcy, I'm wondering if what matters about this story for you is... Uh, not just the respect, but but also something about there being space for everyone's voice and opinion to matter? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Is is that it, or was there something else more important that I didn't mention? Um, The respect and everyone's... Voice mattering. Could you go a little deeper? Well, that uh, so in the in the space of the exercise, so one person's going to take a guess, and then the speaker um, can just elaborate. So you can you can say more if there's something else that I haven't hit on that's important to you. Then you know you can bring that forward. Are you are you clear or aware of what 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 is so what? Um, in addition to um, individual speech there was a sense of the community breaking Mm. Um, Mm. it's important to me that 
we find ways of talking about and working through our differences that keep us together, mm. not a false, okay, you mm-hmm. want it this way, we'll do it this way, mm-hmm. but a way of coming to true consensus mm. that in the process treats everyone with respect. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're going to go away with hard feelings mm-hmm. instead of warm feelings. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So what I'm, what I'm hearing from Marcy is that the two things that I mentioned, the sense of respect and everyone's voice mattering, um, are both in service of um, a really healthy, strong community. Is that, is that more what's important to you? Yes. Okay, great. So you could see how in that, even respect and everyone's voice mattering in some ways were strategies for something more important, for something even deeper to Marcy, which is that sense of the, commu- the health and the strength of the community, right? Okay. So in your, um, in your activity with your partner, you know, we went back and forth a little bit. You don't have to go back and forth if, if, if there isn't a need or if you don't want to. Really, it's just one person's going to share their story uh, the other person, just listening with the genuine intention to understand. You don't have to figure it out. Just listen. And then at the end, uh, I'll invite you to reflect what really matters. And then to ask a question. This is very important. We're not telling the other person what matters. It's not like, so Marcy, what matters to you here is that everyone is respected. Like I know, and I'm now telling you. That generally doesn't go over so well. We're curious. We're checking if we've understood. Why do we communicate? Why do we communicate? Connection to meet a need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah we're, tr- we're trying to have something understood. Whether we're trying to meet a need, to transmit a feeling, to connect, we communicate to try to have something understood, whether it's, would you please pass me the salt? Or, you know, that really hurt when you said that. That'd really be important for me if you could understand that. We're trying to send a message. So we want to make sure that that message was sent, that that message was received. And one of the best ways to do that is to check, to check if we've understood. Hey, this is what I heard. Is, that, is, this, is this it? Is this what you meant? So that's what we're doing is we're checking if we've understood. And we're doing it in this very specific way. This is an exercise. We're practicing a tool to say, is this what's most important to you here? So the listener, when you respond, make sure you ask a question. You're asking a question about what mattered. Is this what matters to you? Is it about this? And then the speaker can feel free to just say, yes, that's it, exactly, or no, it was more this, or it was that, but also this, okay, to just, to just bring it forward. All right. Any questions about, uh, about this activity? And I'll walk you through it one step at a time. Yeah. So the only uh, guideline for the storytelling is that it had something that had a meaning. 
Exactly. Something that has some significance to you. Not like, oh, you know, I went to the store and cherries were on sale, so I got some cherries and <laughs> the line wasn't that long. So, you know, like, so why are you telling me this, right? So, yeah, something that has some meaning for you, some significance. Uh, not too intense. Now, the one thing we didn't do in the demonstration that we will do with your partner is I'm going to ring the bell once or twice during the activity while you're, while you're telling your story and invite you to pause so that, you, so that the speaker gets that sense of seeing what's it like to just take a break, to just pause. It will be unnatural. Okay, I'm warning you, this is, this is a structured activity. We're just exploring, we're experimenting here. Okay. Any other questions? All right. So find a partner, maybe someone you haven't worked with yet. And just get comfortable sitting next to each other. Yeah.